In the name of God who is ever with us. Amen. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Now, as a priest, I probably get more questions about when the Son of Man comes than any other topic. And sometimes they come in the form of questions about heaven, but every now and then they come in the form of questions about the day of judgment. So last, last week I went to Alabama to see my family and um, my, my young cousins who are really like nieces and nephews convinced me to take them to this trampoline park. And it was terrible. I mean, it was just chaos. And so we, we got in the car to leave and I assumed that everyone was exhausted as me. And I hear out of the back seat, uh, Katie, I have some questions. I said, okay. So do you think the day of judgment is the day that we die or the, the day that we all meet God? And Katie, I heard that um, there's going to be this lamb that turns into a lion. And Katie, I heard that Jesus is coming in on a white horse. So what if he comes in on a black horse? Is that going to make a difference? <laughs> Katie, what, what do you think is actually going to happen on, the, on this day of judgment that they talk about? And I realized two things really quickly. One, they had been thinking a lot about death. And two, I was trapped in the car with them. You see, there's no, not getting out of that. So the next day, I had lunch with an old, old friend. And he wanted to talk about um, being a parent, family life, the holy chaos. Although I started calling it the holy catastrophe, maybe, on some level. And, and, he, and he had questions, you know, about the decisions that they were making as, as parents. And at the end, he said, do you think that we're going to go to hell for these decisions that we've made? It was a relaxing Thanksgiving break, <laughs> to say the least. But these conversations have me thinking about how much we dwell in the what is to come how much we dwell in, in death, really. In fact, I, th I think that death figures in our mind far more often than we care to realize, actually. And these thoughts produce all sorts of extraordinary um, responses on our part. Sometimes it's kindness and generosity. Sometimes it's strange and absurd. Um, and I think that consciously or unconsciously, these thoughts of death are what drive us to want to make meaning out of our lives, which is why we probably spend almost as much time thinking about death as we spend dwelling in our past, okay? Thinking about um, what's gone well, right? And what hasn't? And, and what have I done that will, that will last? What's my legacy? One, one young cousin pulled me to the side and he said, you know, nostalgia is a hard thing. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, feelings of nostalgia can sometimes warm your heart and other times they make you really sad. And, and I've decided that um, I, I would rather never have anything great than to have something great and to lose it. 
You see, like this kid, I, I think that we're constantly trying to rectify our past and things that we've had with our future. And, and it's why um, what they call eschatological theology, it's a big word, um, it just means the theology of the last things, of the, of the end. I think that's why that, that theology sells. Okay, so if you look on the bestseller list, there are so many books on heaven and death, right? And some people have even tried to capitalize on, on some of these theologies around death. One, one of the most prominent and lucrative um, have been the books on dispensationalist theology. Okay, big word, but just apocalyptic ideas. And if you think about the Left Behind series, this is what this theology is. Um, they have books and movies. They've made almost a, a billion dollars on this theology. And it's an idea that was, that was created in the late 1800s. This, this woman has a vision. She has a, uh, a dream of a two-part return of Jesus where Jesus comes and takes all of the good people, the saved people away, and uh, leaves all the bad people, the unsaved behind, to fight it out in this tribulation. I never heard of this, actually, in my church growing up. Um, I can remember in the fifth grade, though, <laughs> a kid telling me about it, and it totally freaked me out because I, I can remember being in my house and calling for my parents, not knowing they were outside, um, so they didn't answer back, and I thought, this is it. They're with Jesus. I'm here. I've been bad. I'm left behind. This, you know, it was, it was terrifying. And I note this theology because this particular passage that we read from Matthew today, on the surface of it, okay, seems to be confirming the dispensationalist theology. Two were in the field, one's taken, one's left behind. Um, Jesus says in this passage, Noah, uh, the ships of Noah, the, the water comes and takes all the bad people away, right? But if you really think about what Jesus is saying here in this gospel, it's actually just the opposite of the dispensationalist theory, right? Actually, the good are left behind. The bad are taken. So, so what is it, Right? Well, I don't want to ruin anything for you, but it's neither of these, okay? In fact, looking at this passage from the lens of good and bad or taken or left behind or uh, when and how and what time, you see, if, if we do that, then we're just continuing in this construct of dwelling in the past and the future. And, and that misses the entire point of what Jesus is telling us. Jesus isn't telling us to keep watch, to, to be on guard for the uncertainty of what will happen on this one day in time. Jesus is asking us to be on guard for the uncertainty of today, this day, the present. Each day is full of uncertainty. It's just life. But each day is also full of the promise of the holy, the inbreaking of, of, of grace into this mundaneness of our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we're promised happiness each day. I can tell you there will be days of, of pure joy where you think this is heaven. And there will be days of pure pain and you think this is hell. 
And, and I'm pretty sure that we can't know one without the other. We can't fully see that. But Jesus is also challenging us here that if we get too caught up in the past or the future, then we miss our opportunity to do our part in bringing the kingdom of God here and now. Well, here in Matthew, in the weeks to come, Jesus say, I I show up to you just around the corner. And the homeless people and and people who are hungry that you meet and your neighbor who is sick and needs somebody to sit with them, I show up to you in them. And how we engage with each other, that's what changes you. That's what transforms you. That's what transforms the world if we're really paying attention. You see, Advent is this time of year that we mark the in-between of of what, what is and what is to come. Advent calls for us to to sit in, to live in uncertainty. The precariousness of of this moment, the present moment. And we've seen this rise in in churches that have never celebrated Advent before. They want to celebrate Advent. Um, But I, I think that it's become increasingly harder to live into the spirit of Advent. And it isn't because of Black Friday or Cyber Monday or uh, Christmas carols or Hallmark movies. I think we're missing the present moment of our lives because we're overscheduled and we're overentertained. You see, technology's great. But it, it interrupts the present moment, moment and, and it gives us these emotional memories that take us to the past. And, and our packed schedules interrupt the present moment with worries of the future. Have I done all I need to do on my to-do list for this meeting? Am I going to make it to this appointment? See, we're consumed with our past and our future. And our present days, they just slip away. Sometimes they just are snatched away. And so this Advent, I think, this is my great epiphany, I think um, that we need to take back boredom. And I I had this idea last week, and I told my mom, um, Mom, I'm going to preach about taking back boredom. And she said, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Do not do that. And I, I hadn't worked out the kinks of this yet, but, um, but I do. I think we, should, we need to take back boredom. Because boredom forces us to be in the right now of life because we don't have anything else to fill up the void. I mean, you think about it. When is the last time that you were truly bored? You remember being a kid and being bored and the creative energy that came out of that? You see, there's so many benefits to boredom. It spawns creative and transformative ideas, and boredom can also force us inward to a deeper place within ourselves so that we have to examine our lives so that we can truly notice the holy of the present. And boredom gives us space to clear out our minds. Think about this. When is the last time that you were at the grocery store in line or at your doctor's office 
or at your pharmacy waiting without your phone. You see, because we fill up that space. And when we do that, we miss what's happening around us. In fact, I was at the doctor recently, and, and I didn't have my phone with me. And I watched how a group of strangers came and prayed with this family who had received really bad news. And I thought, if I'd had my phone, I would have missed that. Because I would have been on Township or Facebook or Instagram, right? I would have missed it all. We're filling up our space. We're filling up the holiness in our lives. And we're doing that because we're afraid of boredom. We're afraid of living in the reality of right now, the uncertainty of this day. You see, boredom is what helps us stay in the present so that we learn to be calm and grounded and conscious. Boredom teaches us to, to keep awake so that we can see those inbreaking moments of the holy. And, and, and we can see the grace of God, the thief in the night, if you want to call it that. We can see that when we're paying attention. You know, boredom helps us pay attention to the needs of others, but also what we might need. So as we embark upon this Advent season, I hope for you moments of boredom in each day. Moments that are not consumed with your future or your past. Moments to, I don't know, read a book or make cookies or call a loved one that you haven't heard from in a long time. You know what can happen when you're bored. So be bored. Leave room for the holy in this life. May we all have boredom this Advent.